Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook, The Longhorn Republic, or Instagram, The Longhorn Republic, where we would love to have you as part of our community. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who also just announced he'll be transferring to Utah to play quarterback, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? It clearly doesn't matter uh, how many how many stars that they've gotten some good ones. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about the news of Quinn and Jackson. We we know Cam Rising in the past. Uh, Charlie Brewer, the uh, the could have been a Longhorn even though he was like a one star uh, recruit out of high school. Um, legacy, you know the the Ty Jordans of the world. Utah is is weirdly. I think you have two choices if you're if you're ever at all linked with texas you either go east or you go west right you go technically north to smu the 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 shorter drive uh or or you head out to the mountains to utah and yeah i will be taking my talents uh covering the the fighting to quindon cam risings uh and i think they have like jake bentley too from south carolina they just are they are scatter shooting in 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 going quantity and and quality but just assuming one of them will hit you gotta think one of those guys transfers again i don't know there's a lot of competition we'll see anyways utah that's where you go uh maybe to to be a good quarterback when's the last one alex smith i don't know yeah but anywho i don't know how they convinced all those guys to transfer there but we are here (laughs) to talk a little recruiting we've got our friend it's time for mike's monthly appearance um let's call it mike's monthly moment i think it's probably what we're going to call that uh, for our alliteration, Ooh, but nice we got Mike nice. Roach to, to look at recruiting. Uh, everybody likes to get the recruiting experts on the day of, and that sh- the market's saturated. Give it a little, give it a little space to breathe. So we've got Mike Roach on to talk recruiting, closing out 2021, looking at 2022, and just again, Mike's always got some good stuff to share with us. We'll talk a little basketball. Texas finally played a Big 12 men's game, uh, topping Oklahoma State. The women, after a long COVID-induced break, got back to. What they do best, they won back-to-back games. We'll talk about that. We'll down the 40, and then we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. So as is tradition, uh, it's time. It's about that time to have our friend Mike Roach on about once a month-ish, maybe every five weeks just for funsies. Uh, Mike, man, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, fellas. How are y'all? Couldn't complain even if you wanted us to. So uh, we are, you know... National Signing Day was last week, and you know we didn't we didn't want to ask you to come on the basically the biggest day of your year uh, to come talk to us, and so we wanted to give you a little break, a little bit of time to reflect, a little bit of time maybe to, to you know get settled in for the the second half. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the 2021 National Signing Day and kind of what looks what uh, I guess the early signing period and uh, what Texas looks like looking forward. So as it sits right now, uh, Texas is number 17 in the country and number two in the conference. It feels like a lackluster recruiting cycle because. 
because for the first time under Tom Herman, that at least he's had a full cycle to go at it. It's the first class outside of the top 10 nationally and the first one that didn't land the top spot in the conference. Uh, Texas signed 17 of the 18 players that they went into National Signing Day with, and they actually picked up a commitment on Signing Day from uh, Baron Sorrell out of Louisiana. Uh, and then Ishmael Ibrahim is the only player that they didn't have uh, a signature on because he's dealing with some legal stuff. So, um, Mike, you know, when we look at Texas's class, for most teams, most programs around the country are pretty happy with this class, but for Texas, it's a little lackluster. And so, um, you know, what's left out there for Texas and what would, what would really be like an ideal close, uh, for Tom Herman and, and his crew. Best case scenario, you're talking about adding some more weapons on offense. And, it, and that kind of starts with LJ Johnson, the running back from Cy Fair, who, um, you know, it's been a really tight race for him for most of the year between Texas and Texas A&M. There was a point in the summer where it looked like, uh, you know, Texas was going to fully overtake A&M and kind of close that race down. But um, he decided to kind of wait out through the season. And, and of course, as that's gone along, Texas went down and, and A&M's gone up. Not to mention the fact that the Aggies have done it running the ball. Um, they've recruited a much better offensive line class. They've got a lot of guys in this class who are close friends of LJ Johnson. So uh, the degree of difficulty definitely went up. I think for Texas, if you're looking for positives, if this kid wanted to commit to A&M, he could have done so a million times mm. uh, early. Um, he does really like Austin. He does really like Stan Drayton, um, Brandon Harris, the, the two guys recruiting him at Texas. And, uh, you know, I think that he's he thinks a little different. He's not going to be a guy that's necessarily to follow. So uh, Texas just has to do what it can throughout the, the next month to kind of close the deal on that one. Uh, defense, or I'm sorry, uh, further on offense, you got to look at a guy like Keith Ron Lee, the wide receiver from Brian Rudder, um, and down in the College Station area. He is a uh, he's a little bit of a of a change in what kind of Texas usually looks for. You know, they like those big bodies at receiver, and he's more of a five ten guy who goes and wins the ball. And so, um, he's a bit of a tweener in that he can play outside and go up and get it, but he can also play in the slot and has some quickness and things like that. So. Uh, that's a guy I'm looking at. Receiver is also Keon Coleman, a 6'5 receiver from Louisiana, who will make his decision in February as well. Uh, defensively, you know, Texas is really – I think they've kind of closed the door almost mm. all the way on defense. They're looking for a select few guys. They want to find uh, more pass rushers. That's that's a priority for them, finding a guy that can hopefully come in and pick up where Joseph Asai left off, no matter how tough that task may be. Um, and then, uh, you know, offensive line has been obviously the biggest bugaboo of this of this class. And when you look at guys like Austin Uke from Parish Episcopal School, that's a guy that, um, you know, Texas offered probably later than than everybody thought they should offer. And, and it may hurt them down the stretches. He's really the only guy on the board. I do think we're going to see, you know, a flurry of offers go out uh, in the next week or two, probably. Let's just talk about it, right? As uh, as it stands now, Texas has the same coaching staff that they had at the beginning of the season. There's been no changes. You can't predict the weather, uh, of course, uh, what happens there. But um, outside of winning games, right, um, is there anything they can do looking forward to 2022 um, to the next class? Uh, I mean, to to change the ship if if you don't change the coaching staff what can you what can you change on the recruiting trail to uh, to get that number smaller in the the next class there's not a ton i do think that the this staff did a great job early building relationships in that 2022 class and specifically on the defensive side of the ball i thought jay Valai did a great job now they may be held back a little bit by 
the, the season they had and the questions about their job. And, and look, make no mistake about it, they'll have questions about their jobs again um, if they head into the season. But I think what we're really looking for, what would really help them is, um, you know, everything kind of calms down with this pandemic. We are allowed to have on-campus visits again. You know, I know that there are people there who are very excited about showing off the new facilities being built um, and things like that. And when you get guys on campus, things change a little bit. You can be a little more effective in the way you recruit. So um, I think that that's probably the biggest, uh, the biggest thing for Texas right now, um, you know, outside of making a change here or there on the staff, which I know people want it, you know, I can't, I, it's not up to me. So I, in fact, somebody asked me today for like a list of offensive line coaches who might be interested in the job. And I was just like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's not, there's not an opening. So how can you even gauge that? So, um, you know, I think everybody just kind of needs to be patient and see how things play out. Uh, this looks like where we're going, you know, for the next year. Or so um, it, things can always change, but uh, you know, that, that seems to be the, the cards were dealt uh, and, and there's not going to be a lot we can do about it if that's the case. It's really it's really hard to discuss a um, a position that's not open. It's like how do we how do we really have this conversation if the guy who's in the spot is still uh, on campus? So, kind of moving on to the second phase of recruiting, the 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 next game of it, the the transfer market. So Texas still has some gaps in in twenty in the twenty one class, and really uh, on the roster overall, they've had some guys opt out and they've got some space there. So you know Texas picked up. Um, cornerback Darian Dunn from from McNeese State to kind of add a, a a quick experienced body in the secondary, but but who else or where else do you think Texas looks in that transfer market to to kind of shore up things on the uh, on the offense or on the defense? Well, they are they are looking at some offensive linemen. They lost one uh, earlier this week who picked Michigan State. Uh, there's another guy I wrote about today in the Stampede, Brian Foley from Holy Cross, who seems to, you know, like Herb Hand a lot and, and think there's an opportunity for him at Texas. So that's a guy to keep an eye on as well. And then I think they're going to continue to be active in there. You know, names are going to continue to go in there, especially now following Conference Championship weekend. Bowl, bowl weekend will give you another rush. I think we'll get a rush in the spring when guys figure out where they stand on their own depth charts. And so uh, that 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 part of player acquisition will always remain kind of fluid and, and wide open. Um, outside of that, I think Texas is going to look really hard for, uh, again, a, a pass rushing defensive end, a guy who can come in and, and put some pressure off the edge immediately. And I'm really interested to see if they look at a quarterback just with the fact that if Sam Ellinger is expected to be gone and uh, Jaquin and Jackson is in the portal. So I think the, the other question that I think we have, Mike, is like, when we look at the 21 class, Kyle and I did like our, like, we don't know anything pass at the 21 class. I think this is a good uh, question to tie a bow on. But, like, they're, they're the big names, right? Everybody knows Jatavian Sanders, right? Everybody knows, you know, everyone's seen Jonathan Brooks, Mr. 3000. Um, Texas kind of got him early, and it was, a, it was a, I think, a good poach for, for Stan Drayton and company. So, like, who, who are the guys in that class that, you know, nobody's really talking about, or not nobody, but... Um, you know that 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 aren't getting as much pub as you know Sanders and and Brooks, but could be really key differentiators for Texas uh, in the short or long term future. That's always a hard question to answer for me because I talk about all these guys on such a consistent <laughs> basis that I can't judge who's not getting talked about. So let me just I'll give you the guys I think I, I really like their value in the class, and I really like yeah. I really think that they can make 
um, impacts. I think when you look at a guy like J.D. Coffey, who um, the safety out of Kennedale is my, you know, probably my favorite player in the class. It's not a surprise. Um, anybody who knows me knows I've known J.D. since he was a freshman. I'm very close to him and his family. Uh, he trains with Coach Flight, who's one of my best friends, plays for his seven-on-seven team. Uh, I've got several very good friends on the Kennedale coaching staff. So, like, we've got a lot of ties there. I've been been watching J.D. for a long time. and um, But I do think, you know, what, what really stands out about him is he may not have the, you know, crazy athleticism that you want to see out of a defensive back, but he is one of the most experienced players in the state of Texas. He played for four years and started for four years at Kennedale. Uh, he's played over 50 games. I mean, that's that's a lot of experience, and he's – um, you know, he's, he's a ball winner. He goes, he's got, I think 14 interceptions in his career, so he can go find the ball. Uh, he is a hitter. Even Tom Herman mentioned it in his Sunday day press conference. He is a tone setter when it comes to hitting. I mean, he is a, a sledgehammer back there. So I really like JD coffee. I think if, um, if I had to make a comparison with him, I see a lot of the same things I saw in Jalen Catalan, who's, who's having a great season at Arkansas. Mm. Now, Jalen might have been a little more explosive, a little faster, things like that, but I, I see a lot of the same type of ability in J.D. that I saw in Jalen when he was coming through. Uh, Byron Murphy, the defensive lineman from DeSoto, love him, love everything about his game. I, you know, he is where he is, and he doesn't have the offers that he doesn't have because he's six foot one. And I never worry about that when it comes to defensive tackles. I don't ever think leverage is a bad thing, um, especially when it comes to interior linemen. And, you know, when you see guys, it's worked out in the NFL. And I'm not saying this guy is that Oliver or he's Aaron Donald or things like that. But I think those guys have kind of shattered the ceiling on what it takes to be successful to play defensive tackle. Production-wise, there's no interior defensive lineman in the state of Texas more productive than Byron Murphy. I think a week ago or so, he had four sacks in a playoff game. So he can get after the quarterback. He's strong as I've, you know, as anyone I've ever covered. He's just jacked. I think that he's going to play early simply for the fact that, um, you know, he's he's already college size pretty much. And, you know, I, I I kind of felt the same about Puna Ford when he was coming in. You know, it was it was kind of a thing of, well, he's already that size. And, yeah, he's not going to get much bigger and he's not going to get much, like, more athletic, but he's ready right now. And that's kind of with Murphy. Now, I think a lot of people love to go with the Puna Ford comparison for a guy. If I have to make a comparison that people will understand for – uh, for Byron Murphy, he's more Roy Miller, I think, than he is Puna Ford. He's a guy that is going to, um, you know, military press the center and throw him into the quarterback, and uh, that's that's just who, who Murph is. Um, outside of that, I love the linebackers. Um, I, I think Maurice Blackwell is sneaky, the best player in the class. Like, Jadavion <laughs> Sanders is the guy. I think there's a chance when it's all said and done that Maurice Blackwell is the highest draft pick in the class. Um, I just I really love what he brings to the field. He's productive as can be. Um, I mean, he just he's a hundred and fifty tackle a year guy and uh, he doesn't miss. And so when you look at kind of where the linebacker position is going, uh, those smaller, swifter guys at linebacker, I think he's he's a perfect fit. Then Terrence Cooks has a tremendous ceiling. Now, if you paid attention to all that, probably recognize that. I feel very good about the way they recruited on the defensive side of the ball. Right. On the offensive side of the ball, I think that that's probably, you know, a little more lackluster and parts, you know, you're not as excited about. I mean, you're one LJ Johnson away from, from at least, uh, at least filling a hole, feeling good, right. Getting some more stars, getting some more talent on that side of the ball. But uh, yeah, it is, it is tough that, that it seems like the whole conversation for all these guys, everyone is, uh, 
defensive side of the ball. And and hey, maybe that's the new Texas Big Twelve innovation. We we win games twelve to seven. Oh, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, because Texas shouldn't have to. That's the thing. Is uh, right. that's what's that's what's frustrating about it. And you know, we're going to see. I think with takes like Casey Kane, and I, I do like Jaden Alexis. I think that that's a, um, you know, I think he's a guy that in, in any year I would probably take as my third or fourth receiver in the class. Now he was kind of the, he's kind of in the crown jewel position at receiver this class, which is not sure, you know, I'm not sure that's where I'd have him, but I think I'd take a guy with that kind of speed and, and, you know, off the field makeup anytime. Um, Casey Kane, I just need to see more of. I've actually got his last game on YouTube. I, I want to go watch sometime this week. So uh, to get a, an idea of him, but we're going to see if, you know, if Andre Coleman can evaluate and if those guys that he went after who were lower ranked or, or guys that, um, you know, he found some gems. So, Mike, I think I think it's time to to really give the people what they came here for. When we bring Mike on, it's we talk recruiting, and that's that's the good. That's you know what what you make your money doing. But but really, you made your name at least for with our audience on your recommendation. So, what do you, what's going on in Mike Roach's world? What do you what are you streaming now that you can revolutionize people's lives with? Um, it's nothing new. It's going to sound silly. I am a notorious old TV watcher. Like I. I oh I could go watch this new show that's hot or I could go back and watch a show I've seen a million times and I'm pretty much the I'll go back to what's familiar. Um, so my guilty pleasure of television um, when it comes to like just mindless dumb television is well now it's 90 Day Fiance my wife and I watch that <laughs> quite regularly but um, it used to be the challenge on MTV I'm a huge fan of the challenge. Um, and so like, I realized I haven't seen the last five or six seasons and I have this cool CBS all access, uh, app now because I work for CBS and they gave it to me for free and it has all the MTV stuff on there because they're Viacom and they're all together. And so I was like, I could go watch all these, these seasons of challenge I missed, but I'm kind of weird in the sense that I can't just jump in the middle. So I went all the way back to the beginning and I've been watching like old seasons of the challenge. Um, pretty much day and night uh, while I work. So that's really what's hot right now on my TV um, is, is watching old old seasons of MTV's The Challenge. Man, I, I, I love that, especially because uh, I've heard my wife watching that in the other room and uh, I, I have not watched it. But now that's two two people who are in on it. I feel like I have to have to get in the favorite thing she called me in once and i think it was one of the earlier seasons but it was like a not even an ipad whatever like sponsored streaming it wasn't a zoom either but whatever you know block uh musical device it was and it's just like wow you know that's how much technology has changed in yeah. whatever 15 oh, yeah. years because they were so excited to win a you know whatever brand Saw that uh, the other day. It was the Zune. It was the Zune. It was the um, Zune. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I totally forgot that those were things. Um, <laughs> they had like a two way on there. You guys remember two ways? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The oh, original yeah. text message machine. Yeah. They're like, you win this cool Motorola two way, and everybody lost their mind. And I was, Amazing. I was, I was laying around thinking, I would love to talk to one of these guys to be like, what did you ever do with like the, you know, the DJ set? And the- <laughs> kicker car stereo and all the stuff that you won on the show that's a really great point there's someone out there with a a a really sad secondary market and it's going to be dj set as featured on season three episode six of (laughs) (laughs) selling for 1990 yeah it's uh it's silly stuff but you know i like to find something good i can throw on while i work and just kind of i don't have to be too involved in and 
it's been a lot of work lately. So um, leading up to signing day. So I've just had that kind of running constantly. And then today I've had it on all day. I think I've run through a season and a half today. So love it. that's impressive. That's really impressive. And I still like, I still want your 90 day fiance crystal balls, Mike. That's, that's going to be the crown jewel of our, of your podcast appearances for us. My answer will be that none of them will ever work out because they're all <laughs> insane people. Um, I've got to get on the new one. My wife and I are, are a little behind. Um, we haven't caught up on the new one. So uh, a couple of our favorite people are on there. And so we're looking forward to more of their chaos. And um, But yeah, that's, uh, you know, we've been pretty, this time of year gets pretty busy for me. So, uh, you know, things, things kind of slow down. Like uh, last week, for instance, we had, Signing day, which I worked, you know, a week out in advance, just writing day and night, um, just preparing things for signing day. And then as soon as everything ended, I had to write to AT&T Stadium and for state. I think I covered eight games last week. So uh, it's been it's been a, a pretty long week for sure. Some good games in there, too, man. I watched them on TV. Obviously, Jonathan Brooks was a heartbreaker in that, but just an incredible performance. But, man, that Shiner post game, were you there for that one? Yeah, I saw. I was there for all of them except for Argyle and Lindale, the last one. Um, but yeah. yeah, the Shiner post game was incredible. <laughs> Just Brooks is everywhere, man. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole Brooks family uh, that lives down there in that crossroads area of the state and uh, Shiner, Yoakum, Car- uh, you know, Refurio, uh, uh, Quero, all those places. They, you know, they all uh, they're all cousins and they're all uh, they all killed it. So <laughs> I hope you guys had fun watching Doug Brooks at 270 pounds uh, play defense tackle on the running back. I'm all for defensive linemen that played skilled positions. That's always my favorite tape to watch. Well, I'll tell you this. College coaches are too. Like Byron Murphy used to be a running back, and he also used to play middle linebacker. And coaches love that about him because it means they're, they're athletic. It means they have good feet, things like that. But, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a ton of fun to watch. The thing is that bothers me about small school, it, not, not really bothers me, but I have to have these arguments with people as they see – these guys having great games and they do, and you know, they perform well, but they've got to understand the level of competition because there's a whole bunch of why won't Texas offer Doug Brooks. And I'm like, well, I mean, he's a six foot two seventy defensive lineman who plays the lowest level of, of high school of 11 man ball. So, I mean, it's just, you have to consider the competition. I think he's a good player. I think he'd certainly play somewhere. Um, I just don't think it needs to be at the power five level. And that's the conversation I'm constantly having to have with people. And you can't really have that conversation without being a hater. It's the struggle. It is the struggle, right? And I like I have such a I have such a weird big spot for like these small town kids. My dad was a pastor in Hallettsville for like three years, so I'm just like, yeah, let's get all let's get all the kids from Hallettsville and Schulenburg. Let's get them all there. Let's just get them all to Texas and let let's let God sort them out. You could certainly find them. That's the discussion we're having about Jonathan Brooks right now. I mean, obviously his numbers look like four star numbers, but. You know, what we're worried about is does he have the second gear in the open field to run away from D1 safeties consistently? And, you know, somebody mentioned, well, he ran away from the Jim Ned secondary. And I said, well, I don't think the Jim Ned secondary is exactly what you're looking for when you're talking about D1 talent and secondary. So uh, it's just it's hard. It's hard to make that comparison. I think when you get up to 4A, those are more guys that you can forecast. The the guys at Carthage, you know, Whittington at Quero, guys like that, I think, are more that's closer to 5A, 6A than it is to, to 3A. But I will say this, Shiner's got the greatest logo in, in football. <laughs> uh, they've got the greatest, like, uniforms, helmet, everything. So loved watching them. And, you know, we're still uh, we're still rolling. We got games going for the next four weeks. So uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff still to do. I love it. Well, Mike, if people want to keep up with you and your – while well, you're tweeting from every high school football game you could possibly get to, uh, where can they find you on the internet? 
Uh, it's at Mike Roach two four seven on Twitter, and that's pretty much the only place I do things. People started following me on Instagram, but that's personal. That's family stuff, so I uh, I made it private. <laughs> uh, barbecue takes on on Instagram, probably right. We only do barbecue on on Instagram. That's it. We don't do recruiting stuff. <laughs> Occasionally, I'll post a picture I took at a game or something. Um, but yeah, we don't really do it other than that. Well, Mike, we'll we'll let you go. It's always a pleasure, yeah. Mike. Thank you, thank you. Oh, it's always fun coming on with you, fellas. I uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, hockey starts uh, in January again, so I'll be revved up. We got World Juniors actually starting at the end of this week, so um, expect to see me tweeting about USA <laughs> hockey at the end of this week. So, so if you see tweets on Mike on Mike's Twitter feed that you don't know the players' names, it might be a hockey tweet. It's likely a hockey tweet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome, Mike. Thank you so much, brother. No problem. Thanks, guys. So the men finally got into action on the hardwood. Everybody else had started Big 12 Conference play, and Texas is over here, uh, well, just not doing so. So Texas uh, finally got a chance to open up Big 12 play against Oklahoma State, built a big old lead, and then managed to uh, dwindle that away a little bit, but held out in the late moments of the game and won the free throw contest to close out Oklahoma State 77-74. to for Texas, it looked like Shaka made some smart halftime adjustments or really like I'm not sure what was in the Kool-Aid or the Gatorade at halftime. But the first half, I was like, this is this is this looks like old Texas. I'm not liking this. And then they came out of the locker room at halftime and really, uh, really put something together. Nice to top Oklahoma State. Greg Brown got the best of the, the freshman phenoms uh, of the two games. He was named Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. Career high, 24 points, 14 rebounds, three blocks, 18-8-2 uh, and two coming in the second half. A big time game for him. So as I do a big info dump, Kyle, what, like Texas gave away a lead, but they felt like they figured out what worked, and when they did it, they were really good. And then, like, when they were attacking the basket, being aggressive, again, it's going to be a theme. And then when they went away from that, when they settled for outside shots, like they did in the first half, it was a little bit of a struggle. So, um, you know, Oklahoma State zone gave them some issues early, and, and they figured out how to attack that zone. But, you know, you got to feel good walking away from this because this is a game that Texas, in years past, very easily would have lost. Yeah, it's, that's a great point, right? And I think... Um... You saw two things be true in, in this game, right? I think Shock Smart did a fantastic job coaching in this game, right? I think the halftime talks, the adjustments that we always ask, what are the, you know, countering what a team is doing to you is, you know, probably the most important thing a head coach in collegiate basketball does. You set a game plan, but how you make your in-game adjustments besides recruiting, right? You get the kids on, on campus, you set your, your game plan, and then you adjust to other good coaches. And, and uh, you know, for any slack... Shaka Smart's gotten this was a this was a great halftime adjustment. They um, you know also started hitting shots, which helps. But uh, they they came out just different in that second half. And the other thing that's true is that we saw a, a not one but two prospects live up to the hype. And Cade Cunningham is the number one um, prospect in the country this year. So good that Oklahoma State, of course, hired a family member to get him to commit there. But you know that's neither here nor there. But He's as good as advertised. He's a lottery pick, projected potential number one pick. Um, but as they mentioned on the broadcast multiple times, an AAU teammate of Greg Brown, and Greg Brown was amped for this game. Shaka said in his post game that you know he was um, he hit it well. He tried to mask it, but he was clearly he wanted to perform well in this one. He started it with a monster dunk. Uh, the first points of the game over Cunningham, um, and then really in the second half, uh, I think just got what what we think the best version of of. 
Greg Brown's offensive game can be going. Um, and, and and look, there's two guys. Greg Brown earned some money. GB3 earned money last night. Kate Cunningham, there was a stretch where Texas pulled away in the second half. We'll talk about that a little bit. But he's the reason that it, it wasn't a blowout. And again, I go back to the two guys on Texas. Greg Brown stepped up and answered the challenge. And Shaka Smart also rose to the challenge, right? A guy who's a lottery pick taking over a game a lot of years ends Texas. Even though, hey, they fought back. They made a big run to get up. Oh, wait a minute. The guy has, you know, I think it was something like 15 points in that stretch, you know, that 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 where he really seemed to take over the game when they were down like 55, 42, something like that. And he had 15 points, a couple assists, and, and basically just, just made it a game. Um, and, and in both of those cases, the going down early in the first half, the not hitting your shots early, and then a marquee player taking over. In both of those cases, we've seen Texas fail to be able to respond. And the fact that they did is what makes this a top 10 you know, potential deep tournament run team that's different. That's the difference. That's what we've been looking for from these Shock Smart teams. That's what, you know, the, the return of tons of experience and leadership. This, this is where it pays off winning those games. Getting close to beating Villanova, great. I think that matters and that's that's good and you should be there. But winning this game, right? Winning the Big 12 game that, that is a grind that, you know, we've lost tons of these in the past. That's the difference. You know the the non-conference games are flashy, but what gets you into the the conf- the tournament is being highly competitive in your conference and finishing toward the top. Like that's really what gets you in the tournament, right? It's great to it's great to have the marquee wins. It's great to win the Maui Asheville Invitational, but the real thing that that gets you in the tournament is being highly competitive, especially in the conference that features Baylor and Kansas, right? So like that's a that's a conference got to be competitive in. And I think the thing that I was honestly the most impressed with from Texas is how they've managed guys in foul trouble. Kamaka Hepa getting cussed out aside, like <laughs> Greg Brown played most of that game with three fouls. And he's a guy who he, he picks up a couple picks up a couple quick ones, and like a freshman tends to foul out pretty quickly if, if that's a, if that's the situation. Jericho Sims, older guy, but again played with three fouls and you know didn't show up a ton on the stat sheet. Only played 17 minutes, but he still managed to have be big in a couple of spots for Texas. Um, but the way that Texas managed minutes and managed the guys that they needed to get on the field and or court, excuse me. Um, but we, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about AJ one. Yeah. We, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Andrew Jones, Andrew Absolutely. Jones, um, three of six from three point range. Um, and just was, was kind of a lightning rod for Texas in that game. Like when you look at a guy who needs to be a, a who can be a leader, right? We talk about, you know, we've talked about a lot that this team is going to go as far as Matt Coleman can take him. And Coleman had 15 and 15 and four. And, you know, he wasn't great shooting, but he was really energetic and he hit a couple of big shots. But like Andrew Jones does this thing where he seems to just energize everybody on the court where he's like, he's a lightning, he's a lightning bug. He's a spark plug. He's whatever metaphor you want to use <laughs> is he's, he's able to get those guys going. And, and when Andrew Jones is up and you get, you know, 35 minutes of, you know, eight of 17 from Andrew Jones, that's a good night. And, and you're going to win most of those games. Yeah, you're right. Three of six from, from deep is great. 
getting that outside shooting working is great. I almost like the five for 11 from two better. His mid-range game, he's going to, like, he's not going to shoot one for the season. Like, you know, players have started off cold before from deep. That will figure itself out. I'm not worried he's a great three-point shooter. But his ability to score off the dribble, his ability, he's had a couple um, in the last game and in this game where he gets kind of hot and he feels it and he gets in the paint and he's, you know, turning around to post guys up with a little turnaround jumper or kind of a hesitation and a mid-range that's just sweet. I mean, it just looks like a guy playing pickup who says you can't guard me and and getting shots besides just three pointers um, and getting that confidence. And I think the whole team feeding off of just that smooth veteran kind of finishing, you know, somewhere in that mid range to paint area is incredibly promising for me. Like that to me, obviously you talk about Brown and we did, and we, we will continue to, but it's almost better because we've seen a two-headed monster through the beginning of the season. Matt Coleman's been as good as advertised. You know, there's been games when it was Courtney Ramey's team on both ends of the court. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's been electric and they, they've both had great plays at the end of games. Um, but we were wondering who's the third one, who's the third head of this monster. Uh, can Greg Brown get there? And he's had some moments where he's looked really good. But I think if your third head of your monster is Andrew Jones and, and Greg Brown is somehow your fourth, then, oh my gosh, you're talking about, you know, a team that, that contend, can contend for any championship they choose, whether that's Maui, Big 12, or NCAA, right? If, if Greg Brown is your fourth and you have three guys who you can count on ahead of him, then whoever else you get, if it's Kai Jones, whoever else comes in and, and it is that rotation is contributing that night, that's just that's just money. That's just sweet. Um, but but I really like that. that. To me, that's the most promising takeaway, and you hit the nail on the head. Um, but I, I, again... I do want to point out the two key marquee stellar players, of course, Andrew Jones and Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. Excited for him, Greg Brown, who had a good game line, you know, but just his second half alone. 18 points, 8 rebounds, 2 blocks, 0 turnovers in the second half. It felt like for the first time at Texas, we saw him settle down. He didn't play like a freshman. He wasn't just, I'm more talented than everyone else on the court. I'm going to go do things. It looked like he was playing within the system, taking games over when he needed to, getting to the line, um, you know, to, to when Texas needed some scoring and wasn't able to break down the zone or wasn't able to break down the Oklahoma State defense in the half court. He did the things that needed to be done. So those two guys both deserve tons of praise. Uh, so quickly before we jump out here, we do have to, we talked about Matt Coleman briefly. How um, you know he what didn't have a great shooting night, but you know he did turn the ball over a single time, which is something that we've been looking for from Matt Coleman. And again, we we I've already said it once today, but like Matt Coleman's got to be the leader for this group, and, and he sets the tone and sets the pace. And, and Texas will be as good as Matt Coleman is, and well, zero turnover Matt Coleman, in spite of his shooting woes, uh, is still good. Uh, Courtney Ramey. Um, Kind of was a defensive specialist, yeah. we'll say, in this in this outing. Um, five fouls, played a great. He was he kind of um, he drew a tough matchup. He was kind of he was guarding Cunningham for a lot of his. He was kind of fifty percent of it, but like that's a tough call, and you know. Guys made NBA careers off being tough defensive players, and so uh, you've got to you've got to shout him out. Yeah, without a doubt, right? I think I think six turnovers for Cunningham and, and those fouls. Cunningham's moment that I talked about earlier where he came on was after Ramey picked up, I think, his fourth foul and was having to play off a little and couldn't be quite as physical and all over him as he was. But I think he gave him trouble for you know the first two-thirds of this game, and, and you have to commend him for the job that he, Coleman, and, and others rotating did as a team defensive effort, I think, was was pretty, pretty special. So Texas takes nine days off. They're already in the first of their 
nine days off. But they'll be back in action on uh, December 29th against Texas A&M Corpus Christi uh, at the Frank Urban Center. You can catch that on Longhorn Network. Before the biggin, top 10 Texas heading to Lawrence, Kansas to take on the big bad Kansas Jayhawks. And we'll have more for you uh, in 2021. The ladies were also back in action after missing two games due to COVID on Friday. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about this because there's more recent news, but uh, they broke 100 points for the second time of the season to beat Drake 101 to 80. If you're reading this, it's too late that Joanne, uh, Joanne Allen Taylor posted her first career double double. Uh, she led Texas with a career high 23 points and 10 boards. Audrey Warren, 18 points and five steals. Um, Kyle, I don't know if this is an official stat, but but the stat you have in the show notes, she's taken 11 charges through six games. Charlie Collier continues, uh, 17 points, four steals. Uh, Lauren Ebo got into her first action, 14.7 boards in the first 23 minutes of her career in Burnt Orange. Uh, Kyra Lambert, 11 points, eight boards, six assists, seven steals. Texas, as a team, set a new uh, season high with 16 steals. The ladies were also in action against the Kansas State Wildcats on Monday. And thanks to a, we'll just call it explosive, 21 to 9 second por- uh, quarter performance, cruised to a 62 to 52 victory uh, in conference play. More of the same from the names that you would expect it from. Charlie Collier uh, led the team with 27 points, did not have a double double. A second game, I was at a double double, get it together. Just 27 points. What are you doing? Uh, 14 from our <laughs> friend Joanne Allen Taylor, um, and then 12 points from Audrey Warren. It was a great. Uh, outing from the ladies, they really just got all over Kansas State in that second quarter. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we talked a lot about Joanne uh, Allen Taylor in our preview, and and we had um, kind of looking who's going to step up around Charlie Collier, and I, I think seeing her have her first double double in in the first game this week against Drake and lead that team, and then come in um, after you talk about Collier almost hitting thirty points, the next high score, Allen Taylor, fourteen points, five rebounds, five assists, just has kind of come into that role as number two, whether you know. Anyone else on the team? There's a lot of contenders uh, choose to you know try to take that spot away from her. Whether it's Ebo as the second big uh, or on any given night, you know who 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 is it going to be? They have a couple uh, different different options, but I, I do think that Collier with a second score and then just Audrey Warren emerging from always been a defensive specialist, but now just being able to translate those steals that Vic Schaefer press quick ball turnover into points. Um, you know, again, taking crazy charges, but, you know, putting up double digits uh, basically every every game now is a really, really good development. I'm really liking the guard and forward play around Collier, and I think it's it's promising as, as we get into uh, Big 12. And obviously there's there's a big one with, with Baylor, but there's some talented teams all over this conference. So the ladies will also take some time off. They're off until, again, December 29th. Big, big day for Texas. Two basketball games. And a football game. So they'll take on Lamar um, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on the Longhorn Network before getting back in action at home against Iowa State. But that brings us to the part of the show where we do a quick little news dump and we down the 40. So some quick stuff about fo- the football team. We didn't really talk about football. We talked about recruiting. but we uh, Big 12 selections, as voted by the league's coaches, uh, were absolutely terrible, but it's fine. It is what it is. Um, 
OU proved that they were pretty terrible on the field on Saturday, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, two Texas players were named with the first team, uh, Sam Cosby and Joseph Osai. Sam Ellinger, Chris Brown, and Cameron Dicker named to the second team. Um, best returner in the conference, Sean Jamison, was not listed, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um a lot of players, about 73,000 players were named honorable mention. Guy not listed at all was Caden Stearns, who we've talked about a little bit, had a struggle this year. 27 players made the academic uh, All-Big 12 teams. Third selection for Cade Brewer and Sam Ellinger. Um, three guys doing it with real hard majors. Tristan Bennett, a neuroscience major. Uh, Justin, Ma- uh, Justin Mater is a mechanical engineering guy. And Kai Money, talked about him, a uh, biology major. That's impressive, Gerald. I, I wanted to shout those guys out, especially because, you know, it, there is no not getting a degree from the University of Texas is valuable no matter how you do it, no matter what you study. It's uh, it's the appeal of the university. Pretty much all our programs are, are you know, well-ranked, so any degree is good, but goodness, to uh, be a neuroscience uh, major, mechanical engineering is is a, is a butt-kicking major as well uh, in, in biology. I think, Gerald, did you have at one point a biology? Uh, you had a science degree at one point when you first came to UT? Yeah, I, I, majored, in, I majored in science for my first two years and realized I hated it and got out of it and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't handle it. And it's also hard, as you as you can yeah. very uh, very well attest. But I do want to go back. Um, like you said, we, we had a lot of players make um, the the honorable mention, which is which is awesome. Um, but you know the, the the ones besides just making the team was uh, Osai was defensive player of the year, uh, got nomination. Bijan Robinson got an offensive freshman of the year nomination. You think if he gets some more carries early in this season, he has a good chance to take that one, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the, the rest that you would expect again, the, the Stearns not being on there is a tough look for a guy who's ready to go to the NFL. But the talent um, undoubtedly there just needs to stay healthy and be able to tap it. We'll see how that translates. But the, the biggest snub, obviously, he was nominated for special teams player of the year, um, but but was snubbed from from any of the team. You said best returner in the conference, but Gerald, I think you're you're underselling. I think he was the best returner in the country and i say that because he had the best average of any returner in the country there's a couple people who only played like one game and had uh, one or two returns that were big but um of any player who qualified right 15 kick returns 34.1 average he had the touchdown he had a 98 yard kick return that i think if because coaches are idiots and just look at box scores i think if he gets an extra yard and doesn't stumble and he has two touchdowns instead of one touchdown then i think that Literally, that would have got Jamison the the nod. Ebner and Brooks, the the players who actually were uh, first and second team uh, on the All Big Twelve, both had two touchdowns. Here's the thing: all of the touchdowns that they scored, all four of them, came against Kansas. So I took a look on Twitter. If you didn't see it, and equalized taking Kansas out. Brooks. 18 kick returns for an 18.75 average. Ebner, 17 for a 25.2 average. Again, 15 for 34. Point one from the shark to Sean Jameson. I just think that's going to rile him up and expect about seven returns for touchdowns next year. I'm down for it. He see he actually tweeted that he was kind of pissed about it, and his mom liked both of our tweets about him getting snubbed. So a, a couple of quick hitters. Um, a guy who we mentioned already, Deshaun Jameson, will be returning. Uh, three other players have announced that they'll be back, including Cade Brewer, Denzel Okafor, and Jacoby Jones. All be coming back for that extra year on 
campus. We mentioned it off the top of the show, but Jaquin and Jackson entered the transfer portal, quickly got a crystal ball to SMU, and then went to Utah just for the fun of it. Uh, so he joins former Texas quarterback Cam Rising there, as well as Charlie Brewer and about 17 other guys. I think they signed a four-star kid in the 2021 class as well. But um, the quarterback group just got real beefy in Utah. Pro Bowl announcements happened on Monday. Justin Tucker, Quandre Diggs both made it. Notable snubs, Jordan Hicks, who's like the top 15 in the league in tackles, and Puna Ford, a guy that gets a lot of love, but not a love on the stat sheet. Michael Dixon was also snubbed. That's another guy. How do you not, how do you, it's, it's, the NFL doesn't know what's good for him, uh, but that's, that's okay, it's fine. Uh, and then finally, the U.S. Diving World Cup trials have been postponed, um, so men swimming and diving, both off until the 9th of the new year. Absolutely. Just want to go back for for a moment. Um, Dixon is averaging just like a, a half of a yard off from the league leading, um, but that's because he is pinned. He has the the most inside the twenty by like a laughable amount. Um, you know, pretty much half over half of his punts. He's the only person with more than half of his punts inside the twenty. He's laser pinning folks. They had a blocked punt based on the fact that he pinned the offense on a half yard line, and like you can't give that stat. To Mike Dixon, but he he caused that. We saw it in the Texas Bowl. Um, uh, again, he I, he leads the league in punts pinned inside the five. Again, probably double, maybe triple over the next closest person. The fact that he is not a Pro Bowl punter. I was following one of the Seahawks beat writers, and he is just astounded, beside himself in disbelief. Like, yeah, I, I just assume people don't watch it. I, I don't know how that happened. But again, if you just want to look, oh, it's whoever had the the longest punts, the most yards. He's less than half a yard off of the 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 longest punts, not to mention again, he's usually doing it with laser accuracy and precision. Just an unbelievable snub for our boy. Again, this is a kicking and punting podcast. UT should have had both the kicker and punter best in the league, Tucker and Dixon. So with that soliloquy, <laughs> that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions of all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, I'm going to keep it kicking and punting, but you know, obviously, I'm going to talk a little bit about prom. I'm going to talk about musicals and, and Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, James Corden, uh, Key, no, Keegan, Michael Key, uh, not Peel, but Key, I have to say the whole name out. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot going on in what I just said. Jazz hands, all these things. How does that all tie together? Well folks netflix has a new show uh called the prom um with those people i just listed and uh someone in an advertising agency somewhere was like how do we get men to watch women's shows and programming like the prom and um someone smartly said well anyone can like musicals and they said no men don't like musicals by the way i love musicals and they said great they said what if we got big old burly nfl players who who like musicals to admit it on camera and in fact one of them even sings and is an, is an accomplished and award-winning uh, baritone. So they got three Pro Bowlers and, uh, and, and three wonderful personalities, Travis Kelsey, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and, of course, who I just mentioned, our own Justin Tucker, to, uh, to be the promo team for the Netflix movie The Prom. Um, and there were some great quotes uh, in, in the short YouTube video that, that I saw. Uh, going out, I think um, the most relevant, of course, is uh, 
I could drop and give you 20, then drop an octave from, from Justin Tucker. Um, sung in his baritone octave. He, he sung multiple times in this. Um, it, it, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. Um, there was multiple references of people having uh, zazz uh, or, or puzzazz, I imagine. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is hilarious. He calls himself the Meryl Streep of Endzone Entertainers. I am all here for the NFL and musical crossover that I didn't know we needed. When they make the NFL the musical, I just hope that Justin Tucker is the star. I would I'd be first in line. I I I love a good musical. I love a good musical. It's 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 you know what? It is what it is. Say what you want about me. It's fun entertainment. My wife and I can connect watching musicals and it's a really, really fun time. I'm banging the drum this week on perceptions. So Kyle, I'm gonna ask you to participate in my banging the drum this week. Um if I told you that ninety eight total points were scored in a conference championship game. What conference would you guess? Hmm. That sounds a lot like big 12. It, it could be some action, but that sounds a lot like a big 12 score. The bell of the ball, South Eastern conference, Alabama, Florida, 52 to 46 gasp and clutch pearls. So for years, there's been this conversation that the big 12 doesn't play defense. Big 12 does play defense. Big 12 doesn't play defense. And now, this year, the Big 12 actually decided to start playing defense because, well, offenses were revolutionized in the Big 12, and so now they had to revolutionize defenses. Now that that offense that the Big 12 started and revolutionized is being played in the Southeastern Conference, it's not bad defenses, it's good offenses. And I'm not like the, the like, woe is us, whatever, we're, we're the Joneses at Texas and will always be the Joneses, so I'm never going to say woe is us. But I think it's hilarious that the perception that is painted on one versus the other is just really... Now the Big 12 is revolutionizing the way that defense is played to offset these high-powered offenses, now that that's what the Big 12 does. Like, I just want to see when the when the pendulum is going to shift. When the pendulum is going to shift to... The Big 12 is now a defensive conference. Because it needs to. Because the Big 12 is going to put a ton of defensive players in the league. And the Big 12 is changing the way linebackers look. And they're changing the way that linebackers play the game. They're changing the way that cornerbacks have to play run and pass. And it's just the Big 12 continues to be at the bastion of what college football is going to be. And I, I just want to – I'm excited to see that continue as, um, as football continues to change in the future. Gerald, do you know what the SEC stands for? The, the, the football conference? Do you know what the S and E in the SEC stands for? Again, the C, of course, being conference. I don't. Yeah, it's the excuses everywhere conference. Excuses everywhere because they're making excuses and there's just excuses everywhere, Paul. There's excuses on p- teams not making the playoffs. There's excuses there. There's excuses on not playing any only half the, the game. Defense, they only, only play the offensive part. Excuses everywhere. SEC. You probably should have just gone with same excuses but i like the accent that you affected it worked really that's, well that's much so better like, it's it's it, <laughs> it's, it is similar went, you, but, but you went the distance kyle you committed you committed put hard into totally, it and that's all that matters <laughs> that's what people come here for and that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer, last pregamer of the year coming out this week. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can shoot us an email, longhornpublicpod at gmail.com. You can catch me on my other podcast. We talked last week about 
all the Disney, Marvel, Star Wars stuff this week. We're going to try to get a Mandalorian recap in because that one was super fun to watch. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll see you on Thursday for a bowl game preview of the Alamo Bowl against the Colorado Buffaloes. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, welcome. Welcome, Texas Basketball School.